Hi there, and welcome to the Homeschool Sisters podcast. I'm Kate, and I'm a homeschooling mom doing this homeschool thing right beside you. I don't have it all figured out, but one thing I know for sure is that homeschooling is a lot easier when you have a sister by your side. Join me and other down-to-earth members of the homeschool community as we share the reality of what this homeschooling journey is really like. Hey sisters, Kate here. I am popping in before our episode starts to let you know that this episode is sponsored by Homeschool Planet. And if you've never heard of Homeschool Planet before, you need to put down that laundry you're folding and just focus for a second because this might just change your world. Especially if you are someone who is on a constant quest for the best homeschool planner or planning method, or if you have a really disorganized teen or two that seem to require more reminders now than they did when they were little, and I am raising my hand over here. You're going to want to listen in. All the sisters out there are familiar with my homeschool cousin, Shauna. Shauna told me about Homeschool Planet ages ago. If you hang out with me on Instagram, you might recall our bus drama from last year. My teens were supposed to ride a different bus on Wednesday afternoon so that they could attend piano lessons at a neighbor's home that was not on our bus route. And no matter how many reminders I gave them, this was something we failed every week. And so I started sharing it to Instagram because everyone thought it was funny. I'd wait for the bus to pull up and we'd see if they got off. And if they did get off, they'd see me standing in the doorway saying, it's Wednesday. And then they would take off in a sprint to get to a piano lesson that they were already late for. I'm telling you this because Shauna was like, Kate, this is an example of something that Homeschool Planet could solve for you. Well, I recently started using Homeschool Planet and I am totally kicking myself that I didn't listen to my homeschool cousin last year when she first told me about it. Homeschool Planet is an online homeschool planner, but it's so much more than that. It is essentially an online family command center, and I'll talk more about that part in a second, but I want to cover the homeschool bit first. Before I dive in, I just want to remind everybody that I am not a techie person. In fact, I have a hashtag, KateCan'tTech. Homeschool Planet is super user-friendly and intuitive. If I can do it, you're going to have zero problems. Homeschool Planet is accessible on all devices. So you can use it on your cell phone, whether you have Android or iOS, you can use it on your iPad, you can use it on your desktop, and you have the option to switch between a planner view and a calendar view. The planner looks very much like your traditional homeschool planner that you might have purchased at Target. The calendar view is similar to something like a Google calendar, which a lot of us already use. So it's very familiar from the get-go. Homeschool Planet is super customized. It allows you to color code by kiddo. Color coding is one of my love languages. If you saw any planner that I've had in the past, I've always color coded by person within my family. It just helps my brain to absorb the information easier. And depending on what your state requires, Homeschool Planet can keep track of things like attendance and grades, and they even have a transcript option that will automatically populate your kid's progress and grades for high school transcripts. I know that transcripts are a huge pain point for parents, and this is something that can be done with Homeschool Planet. Another cool thing that you have the option of doing with Homeschool Planet is you can create and customize a teacher ID card or student ID cards. I love this because I am one of those people where I'm at Barnes and Noble or Staples and they're asking me if I'm a teacher and I have no proof. You can print this off at home and laminate it yourself and then get this. 
Homeschool Planet has a functionality that allows you to directly integrate lesson plans from many of your tried and true longtime favorite homeschool curriculum companies. For example, I was able to add an entire art of problem solving course lesson by lesson in seconds into my planner. And it's fully adjustable. So if your kids get sick or something comes up and you just fall off track, you can very easily in seconds reschedule all your lessons and you don't need any whiteout. Other integrated lesson plan partners include All About Reading and Spelling, Apologia, Masterbooks, Knotgrass History, Beautiful Feet Books, The Art of Problem Solving, Teaching Textbooks, and many more. But as I said earlier, Homeschool Planet is not just a homeschool lesson planner, it can actually be your entire family's command center. So in addition to including things like lessons, you can add chores, you can add your meal planning, your doctor's appointments, your to-do lists, your shopping lists, so much more. And you can set up text messaging reminders for your children. You can let them know that a certain lesson is due, or you can remind them that today's chore is such and such, or tonight you have piano lessons. If I had listened to Shauna last year, I could have had text messages go out to my teens to let them know every Wednesday they need to get on the correct bus and have their piano materials with them. I am currently using Homeschool Planet as the Curly Cruise Family Command Center. I have schedules for all three of my kiddos who are now 15, almost 14, and 12. I use it with my husband, and this summer my 84-year-old father-in-law moved in with us with his dog, and I have his doctor's appointments in there and his dog's appointments in there as well. But as LeVar Burton always said, you don't have to take my word for it. Homeschool Planet offers a 30-day free trial. They are not going to ask for your credit card or anything like that. It's an actual legitimate 30-day free trial, which I feel like is rare these days. With the link in our show notes, you can get 30 days free, and you can also get a free integrated lesson plan of your choice. Homeschool planning doesn't have to be overwhelming, and Homeschool Planet makes it easier than ever. So run, don't walk, to our show notes to get your 30-day free trial and free integrated lesson plan today. And now on to today's episode. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Kate. I'm so glad to be here. I am so happy to have you on. I can't believe that we've never had you on Sisters. I had you in Neverboard Learning last year for an exclusive event, but you've never been here and that's bananas to me. It's just... I've listened to it enough that I feel like I've been here. So <laughs> I felt like you have too. And then I was looking back to be able to get the link and I was like, I don't think she has, but I'm launching right in chatting with you. For anyone who is new to homeschooling that doesn't know you already, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you've been up to lately? Yeah. So my husband, Andrew, and I live in the Pacific Northwest and we've got six kids. We've homeschooled all the way through. The three oldest are graduated now. We've still got three at home. They're 11 and nine-year-old twins. And let's see, we, I host the Read Aloud Revival podcast, which is a podcast and online community that helps parents connect with their kids through books and specifically through reading aloud, even past the years when their kids can read on their own. And so that's mostly what I do. And then I've also this last year through Read Aloud Revival, we've launched a little boutique publishing house where we're now making picture books. And next year, we just started working on our first middle grade novel with an author and illustrator. So that's our new endeavor for us. We're very excited. Oh, that's really exciting. That's yeah. really great. I absolutely loved A Little More Beautiful, which I think came out, was it the fall? 
Am I remembering correctly? Uh, Yes. We launched it in the fall. Yes. It just absolutely beautiful. And I love the nature component as a nature nut. And you just came out or you're coming out with a new title that I got a chance to sneak preview while everyone is sleeping. And could you tell us a little bit about that? Maybe about both books, but like, how do you find an idea and what's that process like? So writing children's picture books is like my it's like my, I don't know how to describe it. I love it so much. It's, it's, <laughs> it's hard work, but it's really satisfying. And it's one of those things I've wanted to do for as long as I can remember. It's really fun that we're now making them. And one of the things I didn't anticipate, maybe I should have, but I didn't, is that when we decided to launch our own publishing house, I knew we'd start with my book so we could make some mistakes on mine, figure out what we were doing, and then start acquiring. And I didn't expect that I would love the publishing process so much. The whole collaborating with the illustrators and working with an art director and editors and the printing house and a fulfillment center, just to make all the different things work. That's been really fun for me. So the second book is very different than Lou Alice in like its structure and form as far as the actual text. And then we also hired a different illustrator who really knocked it out of the park. She, I had just not given her much direction at all in the characters or what they should look like. And she came back with this shrew. The main character is a shrew who sneaks out into the garden at night and finds some night blooming flowers, which are based on a true flower. And dances with all the little bugs. I love it. Midnight foray. <laughs> so mischievous. I love that you included peepers too, because they're my favorite. <laughs> oh my goodness. Awesome. That was, I think one of the editor's suggestions, we were trying to get the pacing, the cadence, because it's a rhyming picture book, which is really, <laughs> really tricky to pull off, but we are sort of trying to get the cadence just right. And we needed that kind of a word. So peepers worked out really well for us. <laughs> oh, that's great. So what was the process like? Do you have a whole bunch of ideas for books in your head right now? And how do you choose? choose which one. I'm just so curious. Yeah. I keep a, a notes and the notes app on my phone is bulging <laughs> so it. um, and it's very organized, but I have one big giant folder in there. That's just crammed with ideas. So I probably have over a hundred ideas in there. And then whenever I think of an idea, it doesn't need to be a fully, it never actually, it's never a fully fledged idea. It will <laughs> be like one line. So for a good example of this, while everyone is sleeping, started with the line, in the morning of the night, which actually doesn't show up in the book anywhere, but it did in the early drafts. My oh, interesting. Uh, now, yeah, my now 11-year-old used to always say that. She used to say, in the morning of the night, she would tell us about what happened. Basically, she was telling us how she felt when she first got up in the morning and it was still dark. But she'd go, hey, mama, in the morning of the night, I'm so hungry. And I just loved that phrase of in the morning I love of the it. night. And sort of my husband, and he said, you should try and write a book about that. So the first draft started with that line. And it was actually about a little baby <laughs> who climbed out of a crib in the middle of the night and <laughs> down in the garden. And it was a little creepy, to be honest. It didn't quite work. And so I had a kid like that. <laughs> but it slowly morphed over many drafts. We ended up striking that line because it wasn't as clear as we needed it to be. And again, with a rhyming picture book, the cadence and pacing is so important. So that line never ended up staying, but it's morphed into this, this midnight foray. And the thing is my husband, I told my husband as I'm reading it, I'm like, I don't know, are they, is the, is it a midnight like dance party? I don't know what's bringing them there. And he said, I don't know, is there anything that like blooms in the middle of the night? And so then I find out, yes, there are moonflowers that bloom in the middle of the night. So it's so like cool. little piece by little piece. And for me, picture book writing is different every time. Lou Alice came to me almost all at once while everyone is sleeping was over a long period of time. And I probably wrote 40 drafts of it. That would be my guess. 
And then some other books that I've written might land somewhere in the middle. I just, I keep them in my notes app in my phone and I just play with whatever one I'm most excited to play with, which might be, how do I say that out loud? Yeah. (laughs) Why it's so much more fun than a lot of the other kind of things that I do because it just, it's totally led by what do I feel like playing with today? What feels like fun to, what kind of language feels like fun to play with today? So I've got a bazillion ideas. Most of them are probably not very good. I don't ever really know <laughs> until I've played with them for a while. And if I played with them for a while and I go, I just can't make it work, then I just put it back in. I never really delete them. I just leave them in there. Well, like, they might they might be something at some point. You're yeah. reminding me of, I just saw this interview and I think it was old with Katie Couric and Taylor Swift. And she was saying how she gets ideas like in the middle of the night or in conversations with friends and we'll take out her phone and be like, and whisper it. Amazing. I think I read somewhere or watched somewhere where she was talking about how in like the song Blank Space was written entirely from lines that she just liked and put all together into one song. Something like that. See, you could do that. You can have your blank space book in the culmination of it, that you have all the ones that I love it. So I just lost my total train of thought talking about the Taylor Swift piece. Do you intend, I notice a nature theme and maybe this isn't your intention, or maybe this is just what you're liking right now. And I love how you said that you're playing with it and whichever one is the most fun. Cause I can just see in your face that you're loving what you're doing and it's like your play. So is it going to continue nature themes or do you not know, or do you have characters in your mind that you're thinking so about? I hadn't actually thought of it that way. Okay. So right now, as we're recording this, we have two other of my picture books in the pipeline, as well as a middle grade novel. Like I said, that I didn't write or illustrate. Those are two different authors and illustrators. And both of my picture books do, now that you mention it, have a strong nature theme. Although I didn't go into it that way. Mm-hmm. we're sitting decide to write a book I'm going to write a book about fill in the blank Lou Alice has a strong there's a little read aloud theme in there but I didn't do it on purpose it just came up nature is obviously in there the next picture book after while everyone is sleeping is a picture book biography about Barbara Cooney who wrote Oxcart Man and Miss Rumpheus and oh my goodness so that one has a strong nature theme because Barbara was so influenced by nature herself but it's not like the main idea Did you preview that on your Instagram? Did we get a sneak peek of the art in that one? Yes. Yeah, (laughs) that has stuck with me. It's really pretty. (laughs) Oh, that one was so much fun to write. I realized that I really enjoy writing with constraints. When I have the ability, this is why fiction, I think, is so much more difficult for me to write than nonfiction because anything can happen. And so it feels like there's all these opportunities and I'm stuck, I'm frozen, I can't pick anything, which may be another reason I like picture books because it immediately constrains me to a 500 words or less, 32 pages. And then writing a picture book biography immediately constrained me to what really happened in Barbara's life. So that was really fun. But we are going to see some repeat characters. While Everyone is Sleeping is the first in a series. So that's true. And her little adventures are going to continue. And we have some other projects in the pipeline at Waxwing 2 that are going to be, I think, series. And they all do have a strong nature thing now that you mentioned it. I've just never thought of it before. (laughs) I think also with picture books, they tend to have animals in nature too. But I just... As a nature nut, I just, I loved that. Childhood is so closely connected to nature. So I think it's like, and feels natural for those things to come up. And I love that you chose a shrew because it's not like the most common. When you think about animals that are featured in books, it's just so cute (laughs) and so mischievous to be sneaking out and dancing in the flowers. (laughs) Yeah. I'm pretty sure if I saw a real shrew, I, I don't know if I would think they 
he or she was cute, but my shrew is very cute because Gabrielle Grimard really painted a darling shrew. <laughs> so cute. I love when they're climbing back up on the bed and the mom's covered with kids. It was so relatable. <laughs> Sneaking yeah. back in. Switching gears a little. You and I are both passionate about reading aloud to kids and how important that is. And I think we all know that it's important in the early years, but when your kids get older, how do you maintain, like, what are the pros to reading aloud to tweens and teens? And how do you maintain that as they are starting to pull away from you? And if you fall out of the habit and you want to reinstate it, how do you sneak back in if you've yeah. been had a dry spell? Yeah, I think you hinted at the biggest perk to reading aloud after when kids are tweens and teens and they're getting older and they certainly don't need you to read anything to them anymore. And that is because they are naturally pulling away from you because that's what's supposed to happen, right? So that they're yep. ready to fly from the nest when it's time. But what I found is, especially with my three older kids who are now 21, 19, and 17, I found that reading aloud was the fastest way to reconnect when there had been some kind of rift in our relationship. So often we forget that we're like on the same team. We're like going <laughs> head to head and reading aloud instantly puts you on the same team because now you're rooting for the same character. You're holding your breath or you're worried about the same villain together. You're just having that same experience and being able to witness that. So if you sit and you read The Hobbit together or listen to the audiobook, which is what I I tend to do a lot more with my older kids than reading to them is listening to audiobooks together with them. That instantly gets us on the same team and connects us again, which feels to me like really valuable beyond any academic benefits they can get from being read to. Although there are those as well, because we know that books are the only places our kids are getting grammatically correct, sophisticated <laughs> language patterns. They don't get them from conversation or from anywhere else in their life. And that continues. They actually don't even get them reading with their eyes. And this is really in interesting because I think so many of us think we just naturally think reading with your eyes is a higher form of reading than reading with your ears. But actually what happens is the better we get at reading, the faster we read and the more we skip those little connector words and we just read faster. And so because of that, the complete language patterns aren't stored in our brain in order. The only way that they get there is if they're read out loud. And that can be by you, or it can be by somebody else, like an audiobook narrator. And I really found like this kind of ties into your second question there about how to get kids back into it. If you've maybe fallen out of the habit, you want to get into reading with your tweens and teens, but they're like, mom, I'm not little, stop. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I really think the best way is to then put in an audiobook when you're in the car. And this has changed a little bit, I would say. From my oldest daughter, <laughs> who's 21, to my 17-year-old son, I've just noticed the difference. Like, he will oftentimes have his earbuds in when we get in the car. So <laughs> you may have to be the heavy for a minute and go like this ride, this time we're in the car, no earbuds or no, no devices. And then you turn on something like Fellowship of the Ring or The Hobbit or Harry Potter and it instantly pulls everybody in because it's impossible not to be pulled in when you're meeting Gollum for the first time or when you land into Hogwarts for the first time or for the eighth time. So <laughs> I think an audiobook in the car is a really oblique way in because it doesn't feel direct. doesn't feel like I want you to listen to this because it's good for you. It feels let's, I want to listen to this for me, but you're here and I want you to hear it too. Yes. I've had the same experience with my, mine are younger than yours, but my two teens that they don't want me necessarily reading aloud as much anymore. They will listen, 
they will creep in sometimes if something's happening, but it feels like when you have that moody and broody, like they're not really talking and they're in a crummy mood for whatever reason. And you put that on, I feel like it's a great way to connect when they don't feel because they don't feel like talking to you sometimes they're just, they're in a funk and they don't want to talk about it. (laughs) But I feel like it's such a good way to break the ice a little bit and change the mood and the atmosphere of the family with teens. As you're saying that the other thing that comes to mind for me that I don't think I realized was going to happen until it was happening is that as the kids got older, the reading aloud got less consistent because now they have jobs or activities. They're just not home nearly as much as they used to be. And so I used to hold the read aloud we were doing as a family because I wanted the oldest ones to hear it too. What happens then though, is that you just don't read aloud hardly ever. Cause it's very rare. Once you get those older ones of are all going in different directions, it's re- much more rare for everyone to be home at the same time. So what ended up happening is we might be reading aloud together a book as a family and they would only be there for about half the time. So then on the times when they're there, we just go, okay, let's catch Audrey up to what happened last time. And then that gives your other kids a chance to narrate really naturally. So it works out really well, but it also takes the pressure down from this has to be something that you do every day or every other day with your teens. If with your teens, you're reading aloud, they're getting in on the read aloud once or twice a week. That's fabulous. And they will remember that and it will still have a really good impact on them. I love that you said that because I think many of us have this idea that we're going to all read aloud until they leave the nest (laughs) together. And it's impossible. It gets to a point where it's just, you said it, the jobs and the extracurricular and then the social scene and all of that. It's just, it makes it so incredibly difficult. So you really do have to make it count when you have it. Yeah. And I think if they end up seeing that you're not letting them do some of those other things they want to do when they're spreading their wings a little bit, like their social scene or getting a job or going out with friends or whatever, because you want them to read aloud, the read aloud is going to feel like the obstacle to them (laughs) that they have to get out of the way. And so instead, if we let them like, it's tricky, isn't it? Cause like, I think as they get older, we want to hold them closer because we can feel them like pulling away. And that is absolutely what they need is to start spreading their wings a little bit. It's tricky, but I think it's important. Yeah. Some Something I've been doing lately is trying to find something. Like if I find something on the internet, an article or something that I think is interesting and that one of the teens would like to start reading it with them and then send it, send it to them. And that sends a little, it's not necessarily a full on read aloud, but it's still that connecting over text and interests and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Giving you something to talk about too. So you later on when you're at dinner, you can be like, Oh, Hey, did you read the rest of that? Yeah, absolutely. Let me tell you, Oh my gosh, this thing I noticed that I love that. I love it can look so many different ways. And I think what you said there that really stands out to me is just that it needs to be like a natural connection. As soon as our teens and tweens think that we are having them read or sending them an article or reading a lot of book or something because we're trying to improve them. It's no, I mean, imagine if like your mother-in-law was like, here, I'm going to send you an article every day to improve you. That would not exactly go very far for your relationship with your mother. Here's an organizational article. I noticed your laundry is never done. (laughs) I always think back to being a kid and I had these two great aunts who were like higher education before it was like a thing where like really highly educated and teachers and professors. And they used to send me even in college, like little clipped out newspaper articles that reminded them of me. And they were doing it for all the nieces and nephews. And there was a million of us. And I was just like, that, that made me feel so seen by an adult. You know what I mean? So I've been trying to 
do that. Or I don't know, just to make it seem, cause sometimes at dinner, they don't, you, we're just in that phase where not everybody wants to talk. So <laughs> You can have one that you can definitely have in your cloud over his or her head and you just know. And so at least one, right? Yeah. You got to have that back pocket thing. And that's turned out to be one of our things lately. Yeah. I like Um, it. Yeah. So can you tell us anything else about some things that might be coming down the pike or what to watch for and where to find you all the places and spaces? Yes. So let's see a couple things that are right around the corner. Is it read aloud revival? We do something called Christmas school and I know Christmas feels a long way away, but this is, I keep hearing from families over and over that this was the highlight of their school year last year. And really what it is a series of book clubs. It's four weeks of book clubs for the month of December this month or this year, our Christmas school will be back to Tommy DePaula's books. He's our favorite person to highlight in Christmas school. So we'll have four different Tommy DePella Christmas stories. And we'll have basically a guide that covers the curriculum for all of your kids. It's an epic guide where you can pick and choose depending on how old your kids are and what subjects and activities you want to do, but it doesn't feel like school. And there's so much rich learning happening and it's like really good memory making. So it feels really fun. That's coming right around the corner and we've been working on it already. So that's fun. At Waxwing, we've got While Everyone is Sleeping coming out this fall, which is really exciting. And we have three books coming out next year, two picture books. And like I said, a middle grade novel that is a fantasy read aloud that I think will be, we're picking this one for our first middle grade release because I think it'll be great to read aloud with kids of all ages. And those books, I think are really hard to find. They are. Read aloud with your four-year-old and your 14-year-old and everybody's in it. That's tricky. So that's what we're doing at Waxwing. I'm really excited about that. Oh, my kids are going to be all over that. The fantasy, that's their favorite. (laughs) Oh, yes. Isn't that, I think that seems to be, I bet... I bet if we were to pull <laughs> a bunch of kids, fantasy would come out on top. It just feels like the genre that all the kids, like it, it appeals to the widest group of kids. It really does seem to. It's interesting. Yeah. Sarah, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. It's always so good to talk to you. I can't believe we didn't have you on before now. And I'm oh. so excited to see every, like your eyes are sparkling when you're talking about your work. And I just love that because you're definitely doing something that's meaningful and fulfilling. And it's so nice to see a mom doing that who is homeschooling also, because it's such a good model for our kiddos. Oh, okay. Thank you so much for having me. I always love chatting with you. So thanks for having me. All right. Take care. Bye. Hey sisters, Kate here. As a lifelong gamer, school psychologist, and homeschool mom, I have witnessed time and time again the power of play when it comes to learning. In fact, I truly believe that homeschooling can be almost all fun and games. Now, does that mean it's going to be all sunshine, rainbows, and laughter? Heck to the no way. But I do believe we could all be having a heck of a lot more fun. A playful mindset can transform your homeschool routine and your family life. The best part? You don't need an overflowing game closet to get started. You can be a game schooler today with just a deck of cards, and I'd love to show you how. That's why I created Never Bored Learning. Never Bored Learning is a private online community for creative parents and educators who embrace play-based learning and game schooling. The goal of Never Bored Learning is to play more and learn lots in the process. 
Your Never Bore Learning membership includes access to monthly guest speakers, live Q&As, monthly day in the life family spotlights, and an ever-growing library filled with printable resources, including documentation resources, challenges, and print and play games and activities. But the very best part of NBL is the private online community forum. This is not a Facebook group, and it is hands down my favorite spot on the internet. The community is a vibrant one, filled with creative parents and educators. I wake up every morning before my kids, I pour myself that very first cup of coffee, and I hang out in the MBL community forum. It's my favorite way to start the day, and I'd love to see you there. If you'd like to learn more about Neverboard Learning, visit neverboardlearning.com. That's N-E-V-E-R-B-O-A-R-D-L-E-A-R-N-I-N-G.com. And if you're not ready for a monthly commitment, but you're interested in getting your feet wet with game schooling, I invite you to sign up for our free seven-day game school kickstart, which you can find on mylittlepoppies.com, or enroll in our digital course, Game Schooling 101. I can't wait to show you the power that play can have on your homeschool and family life. I wish you a play-filled year, sisters. Chat soon. Bye for now.